1: Greetings, saints. Many blessings to you. Thank you for joining us today for the Unleavened Bread Bible Study. Father, we uh, love you. We appreciate you and all that you do for us. And we thank you, Lord, for anointing us today, Lord, to share some good news and some bad news that we can pray down. Thank you, Father. Amen. All right. We're going to continue with the Restoration of the Saints, number 11. And we're going to talk about destroying your DNA or restoring your DNA. And uh, first of all, we want to talk about things to pray down. And lastly, we will see the ultimate cure for your DNA that the criminals can do nothing about. Uh, the injured will soon be dead unless they turn to God and believe His word about health. Please read our free book titled uh, God's Vaccine. I'll put a link here for it. Um, Deaths are rising geometrically from the jab and uh, the carriers. And this fits with the reports of deaths in Revelation, in the tribulation. Revelation 6 and 8 says, And I saw, and behold, a pale horse, and he that sat upon him. His name was Death. And Hades followed with him, and there was given unto them authority over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword, with famine, and with death. And the numeric here for death is pestilence. That's the numeric word. And by the wild beasts of the earth. Well, we know what the beast currently is, a Babylonian beast that is um, destroying so many. Uh, and all this shows how close we are to the tribulation, uh, that uh, this is mounting up, you see, um, in Revelation 6, 1 through 4, at the beginning of the tribulation, the man-child body of reformers come, and then the first real world war with multitudes dead. So now we have the deep state facing off with the earth alliance of nations all over the world, and this is truly a world civil war. And obviously, biologicals have been used and uh, the nukes will be used eventually. Uh, riots are coming over, uh, food, heating, job losses, stolen elections, and vaccine mandates, and then martial law, and all-out war against the deep state Babylonian system. Here's an article. 20 million dead from the jab, 2.2 billion injured analyst estimates. This is The Vigilant Fox, October the 10th, 2022. Uh, one of the big pieces of news to come out recently is this Substack piece from uh, Peter Halligan, which then turned into an article by the Exposé. Peter is a most experienced analyst in the financial industry and is very skilled at looking at and translating statistics into summary statement. Now, the number 20 million dead sounds absolutely ridiculous at first glance, but when you dig into the data, it makes sense. And here is how Peter came to the 20 million number. So, EU and U.S. deaths. Uh, Udra and Vares equals thirteen thousand nine hundred and seventy two plus forty six thousand nine hundred and ninety nine, which equals sixty thousand nine hundred and seventy one deaths. And EU and US injuries eight hundred and fifty four thousand plus six million eighty nine. Thousand seven hundred and seventy-three, which equals 6,943,857, multiple per person, half of which are serious, multiply by 40 for URF, that is, under-reporting factor, and then multiply by 8 to globalize the total number. Global deaths are around 19.5 million so far, and global injuries are around 2.2 billion. Those injuries are likely to develop into conditions and then morbidities, deaths. So who do you believe? Well, here's Dr. Roger Hodkinson, an esteemed Canadian pathologist, joined by Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson in a video interview where he discussed these horrifying numbers. These numbers are best estimates. At this point in time, using government data for the global consequences of the clot shot in terms of death and morbidity, now these numbers are beyond staggering. To contrast that with history, vaccines have typically been pulled from the market. The last one, the bird flu vaccine, was pulled with only 35 deaths. So it's murder incorporated now. Um, I hope people can appreciate the scale of what is going on here. An unimaginable carnage which isn't over Because that number, first of all, is the current estimate. It does not include future deaths of a similar type, which will be cumulative on top of that. It does not include stillbirths. It does not include those uh, avoidable deaths due to having had a one-disease health care system for two and a half years with people not being treated or investigated for cancer for example. Those numbers are not included. The numbers from the lockdowns, the suicides, are not included. And also not included are the future deaths that we're, we're anticipating from a rapid increase in the rate of cancer presentations and fatal infections because of immune suppression induced by the clot shots. And those factors are in addition to those jaw-dropping numbers that I just mentioned. So it's considerably higher. This is truly horrifying to think about. And there's no doubt this is a war on humanity. Those responsible and complicit in this crime against humanity need to be held accountable. Luckily, we have people like Attorney Tom Rentz. Uh, Dr. Henry Ely, Dr. David Martin, and others working hard to make that happen. Uh, here's Biden's executive order designed to release transhumanist hell on America. The Gateway Pundit by Jim Hoft, 91322. If anyone needed proof that the powers pushing the levers behind the mindless moron who sits in the Oval Office, are fully on board with the World Economic Forum slash United Nations agenda of biomedical tyranny and transhumanism. Uh, Look no further than the executive order that Joe Biden signed on Monday, September the 12th. By quietly getting Biden's signature on this document, his handlers, may have given us the most ominous sign yet that we stand on the threshold of a technocratic one-world beast system. Prepare to make your stand because it's about to get much more intense. This document's Orwellian title, Executive Order on Advancing Biotechnology and Biomanufacturing Innovation for a Sustainable, safe and secure American bio economy will assure that its significance will fly right over the heads of 99% of the media, even the conservative media. They will read it and yawn. I plead with everyone reading this article to please not make that same mistake. Here is a quote from the Biden executive order. For biotechnology and biomanufacturing to help us achieve our societal goals, the United States needs to invest in foundational scientific capabilities. We need to develop uh, genetic engineering technologies and techniques to be able to write circuitry for cells and predictably... Uh, program biology in the same way in which we write software and program computers, unlock the power of biological data, including through computing tools and artificial intelligence, and advance the science of scale-up production while reducing the obstacles for commercialization so that innovation, technologies, and products can reach markets faster. Oh, boy. Well, because of the arcane scientific language in which this document above is written, even most of those who take the time to read and study it, I assure you Biden did not, uh, will not fully grasp what is being ordered by the White House. Karen Kingston, a former Pfizer employee and current analyst for the pharmaceutical and medical device industries, helps us decipher what's going on in this executive order. Kingston stated in a Twitter post, Let me read Between the Lines for America. Biden's September 12, 2022 executive order declares that Americans must surrender all human rights that stand in the way of transhumanism. Clinical trial safety standards and informed consent will be eradicated as they stand in the way of universally unleashing gene-editing technologies needed to merge humans with AI. In order to achieve the societal goals of the New World Order, crimes against humanity are not only legal but mandatory. Patrick Wood, an economist and author of several books on technocracy, has been uh, following the transhumanist and global techn- no, correct, pe- excuse me, technocracy uh, movements for four decades. He told me that Kingston is not overstating the issue. He said this uh, executive order is proof that the executive branch is now owned livestock and barrel by the biomedical pharmaceutical industry. It will be Katie bar the door when he's out on out. Well, from here on out, I should say. The uh, transhumanists within Big Pharma have completely taken over government policy and taxpayer funds to promote their own anti-human agenda of hacking the software of life, Wood told me. It also clearly demonstrates who has the power and who sets the policies in America. The mRNA injections that have already gone into the bodies of at least 70% of adults in the United States mark the gateway to transhumanism. We have been told this by Kingston as well as by the late Dr. Zev Zelenko and Dr. Robert Malone, a co-inventor of the mRNA platform. They are, of course, removing people who are in their way. Okay. LeoHoman.com Leo uh, was one of the first sites to blow the whistle on Moderna's former chief medical officer, Tal Zax, who told the world straight up in December of 2017 that we have hacked the software of LIFE. And that this mRNA gene editing biotechnology would be incorporated into vaccines to treat and prevent all manner of illnesses. Hmm. Yeah, all manner of illnesses. So we can expect the same thing we got from the COVID vaccine and all the rest of it. We've seen how well they work, with millions getting sick and even dying after getting two or more doses of the COVID injections uh, offered up by Moderna and Pfizer. With the FDA and the CDC now totally on board, this mRNA technology is being included in scores of other vaccines, including flu shots. The September 12th executive order was no doubt put in place as a backup for the continued experimentation on the human population, and I expect the vaccine industry will exploit it to the max. Soon we will see the return of Vax mandates, this time more ferociously policed and enforced than before. Well, again, these are things to pray down, right? So please get to work, saints. This executive order may also have been timed, at least partly, in anticipation of the new pandemic treaty that the Biden administration is hoping to get passed through the United Nations World Health Organization next year. This treaty will transfer sovereignty over matters of health emergencies from the national level to the WHO World Health Organization. Woods said the executive order's intended consequences is to push the frontier of genetic modification of all living things, and especially humans. He believes this will ultimately spark the biggest public backlash in modern history. Biden pledges not only funding but uh, an all-out government transformation to support this anti-human scheme from top to bottom, Woods writes. It's also automatically blocks any agency or department from dissent. Wow, well, well, we know they do that. This is so much for democracy, right? Below are just a few of the highlights quoted directly from the document. The term biotechnology means technology that applies to or is enabled by life sciences, innovation, or product development. The term biomanufacturing means the use of biological systems to develop products, tools, and processes at a commercial scale. The term bioeconomy means uh, economic activity derived from the life sciences, particularly in the areas of biotechnology and biomanufacturing, and includes industries, products, services, and the workforce. The term biological data means the information including associated descriptors Uh, derived from the structure, function, or process of a biological systems that is uh, measured, collected, and aggregated for analysis. The term key R&D areas includes fundamental R&D, that's research and development, of emerging biotechnologies, including engineering biology, Uh, Predictive engineering of complex biological systems, including the designing, building, testing, and modeling of entire living cells. Cell components or cellular systems, quantitative and theory-driven multidisciplinary research to maximize convergence with other enabling technologies and regulatory science, including the development of new information, criteria, tools, models, and approaches to inform and assist regulatory decision-making. These r and priorities should be uh, coupled with advances in predictive modeling, data analytics, uh, artificial intelligence, bioinformatics, high-performance and other advanced computing systems, metrology and data-driven standards, and other non-life science-enabling technologies. So it's going to be uh, part bot, <laughs> part human. The term life sciences means all sciences that study or use living organisms viruses, or their products, including all disciplines of biology and all application of the biological sciences, uh, including biotechnology, genomics, uh, protonomics, uh, bioinformatics, and pharmaceutical and biomedical research and techniques, but excluding scientific studies associated with radioactive materials or toxic chemicals that are not of biological origin or synthetic uh, analogs of toxins. What this means is that human beings will be data mined for their most personal possession, their DNA and uh, genomic uh, properties, and the government will offer no protection. It will actually be encouraged and seen as a green light for biomedical practitioners worldwide. It is the goal of the technocratic proprietors of Agenda 2030 to catalog, map out, and monitor every living thing on Earth. Hmm. Well, this was spelled out in the early 2000s by late researcher Rosa Choir. Uh, and, Put into book form in two thousand and eleven with "Behind the Green Mask," UN Agenda Twenty One. Choir was how many of these people are late? It's a late, so and so late. This uh, yeah, right. Was a, uh, a Democrat, but she understood that the takedown of America and indeed every nation of the formerly free world would not be accomplished by the left or the right, but by supranational globalists with an allegiance to no nation. And in fact, these globalists detest the nation-state model that has dominated the world for thousands of years. Their goal is a global governance, and they say it out loud in their own documents. Have no fear. Do not be intimidated. Truth will not be defeated. Humanity will prevail against these anti-human eugenicist monsters because we have living souls and are created in the image of a holy God with individual free wills. Okay, we must be holy to be able to be uh, in tune with God on this. Because of that, we humans are capable of having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and the one and only triune God of the Bible. Those who take the bait of the globalists and submit to the world system will, in essence, be handing over their humanity in exchange for empty promises of safety and security. They will become transhumans thus foregoing, at some point, their ability to connect with God. That's a very big step in a decision that will face every human being sooner or later as this technology ramps up. Your very soul will depend on the choice you make. Will you follow God or will you follow man? Above all, this is a spiritual battle uh, expose the sinister transhumanist agenda that these globalist predators did their best to keep hidden within a scientific vernacular that they know will wow and mystify the average person. We have decided it for you in this article from uh, two of the best um, decoded, it, excuse me, the best Christian experts on the topics available in the world today. Karen Kingston and Patrick Wood. Okay, it's called uh, Jabbed Until Death. Endless mRNA jabs are now planned for multiple vaccine types, including influenza. Yep, they're going to put the same poison in these. HIV, RSV, pneumococcal, uh, Zika, and many more. And this is uh, new, NewsTarget.com, uh, 81922, by Lance D. Johnson. Now that pharmaceutical companies like Pfizer and Moderna have caused widespread immunosuppression using COVID mRNA vaccines, there will soon be a surge of new infections and a gold rush for new mRNA vaccines. Pharmaceutical companies have already positioned themselves to capitalize on upcoming infections and illnesses that will inevitably plague an excessively immunocompromised population. Endless mRNA jabs are now planned for multiple vaccine types, including coronaviruses, influenza, uh, HIV, leukemia, RSV, pneumococcal, EBV, HPV, CMV, Nipah virus, uh, Zika, uh, meta, uh, let me see, metanumovirus, and human, uh, para-influenza. In fact, there are currently 80 clinical trials for mRNA vaccines underway. Wow. So, now we can see why the book of Revelation is uh, going to be right. Yeah. And uh, most of those hasty uh, clinical trials are already convincing people to take part in these experiments. Wow. Big Pharma poised to unleash mRNA experiments for multiple infections and illnesses. Big Pharma is already promoting vaccines for infections that were once considered rare, like pox viruses, monkeypox, and polio, enteroviruses. As uh, new infections spread in heavily vaccinated populations, vaccine campaigns will continue their cycle of fraud and deception. The spike protein, mRNA, that was unleashed during the COVID-19 scandal was a foot in the door to program human immune systems for failure, vaccine-acquired immunodeficiency syndrome, Yep, and to make more people dependent on a never-ending chain of injections, infections, mandates, and medical tyranny. One of the new mRNA vaccines includes an updated sequence of the gain-of-function coronavirus spike protein along with influenza virus RNA. Moderna is currently testing out an influenza COVID mRNA vaccine on uh, 1,050 participants with recruitment taking place across the United States. Many of the upcoming clinical trials for new mRNA vaccines are set to be conducted on valuable populations and children with very vulnerable populations and children with very little oversight. And of course, a lot of this is further along now than when this started. Okay, we. So some of it's probably they've made up their minds already. They um, usually um, have to stash and hide. Uh, bad uh, results. So they've been caught so many times doing that. Like um, all of their victims die. (laughs) The uh, preclinical phase for these combo vaccines has already been approved by the FDA. Big Pharma plans to continue using these lipid nanoparticles to circumvent the T-cell Response of the human immune system while programming human cells to churn out foreign toxins. It's an inflammatory autoimmune nightmare, and it's going to continue without remorse if the developers and enforcers are not held to account for the disasters they helped create with the original COVID vaccines. FDA ignores all safety signals uh, for botched mRNA COVID vaccine rollout, approves dozens of new mRNA experiments. These new genetic experiments are still considered immunizations and are considered biologics in preclinical studies. This is fraud because there are major differences between traditional biologics, vaccines, and these new mRNA experiments. The FDA is ignoring all previous safety signals recorded in the government's pharmacologic excuse me, pharmacovigilance system. There are no scientific studies being conducted investigating the duration of the mRNA transcription process. Likewise, there are no studies on the quantity and the persistence of these foreign proteins in animal antibodies and how they may burden distal organs, inflame the heart, or cause protein misfolding. Furthermore, the toxicity of the foreign proteins themselves are not being assessed in any preclinical trials. To make matters uh, worse, the vaccine makers are allowed to use the immunosuppressant uh, pseudouridine yet again with no preclinical testing on its safety. Pseudouridine is a synthetic nucleotide used in the COVID-19 uh, vaccines. Research has found that it can stay in the lymph nodes for at least 60 days after injection. The immune system is not breaking down the so-called mRNA from the vaccines in the same way natural mRNA degrades even though the government regulatory agencies have promised that it would degrade rapidly. Well, compulsive liars, right? To get the initial COVID-19 vaccine out to the public, Pfizer and the FDA ignored serious health risks observed in the clinical trials, including issues like antibody-dependent enhancement, heart inflammation, and immunosuppression. These issues are obviously going unaddressed again as the government advances new experiments that will continue the cycle of sickness and death in the population. And just read the book of Revelation, right? Okay, this one is uh, called Triple Helix DNA, the operating platform for the mark of the beast. It doesn't come, Triple Helix by nature. The following is a rough transcription by Eve Brast of this video link. DNA is the code of life that gives cells the ability to function and gives organisms the ability to develop. mRNA is a tool much like a text editor that can cut, paste, and edit DNA strands. We are able to engineer this as a two-component system consisting of a simple protein and a single RNA that provides scientists the ability to program this enzyme as a molecular scalpel to cut double-stranded DNA at sites in the strand that are directed by this piece of RNA. This is a study that just came out of Lund University in Sweden that is very alarming. They have witnessed the first demonstration in a human hepatic or liver cell line of the Pfizer vaccine in fact reverse uh, transcribes and installs DNA into the human genome. Robert Malone, the inventor of mRNA technology, says that there is a joint report from the government of the UK and Germany about transhumanism. This is one of the agendas of the World Economic Forum. It's not hidden and it's not a conspiracy. In these reports, they talk about mRNA vaccines as an entry point, in other words, into the human body to initiate their plans for transhumanism, right? A scientist who was studying the human genome for over 25 years discovered that the human genome is a double helix and each side of the helix is made up of 72,000 genes. 72,000 from the mother and 72,000 from the father. Combined, they equal 144,000. That's the way it's supposed to be, right? Genes, 144,000 genes total in the human genome. Isn't that something? God's signature is right there. So this is a significant number in the Bible in Revelation 7, 3 through 4, and is a signature from God showing that we are created by Him. Okay? Now this new mRNA technology that they've come out with introduces a third strand that breaks the double helix and inserts itself, creating a triple helix and adding another 72,000 genes to the DNA strands, which equals 216,000 genes. Now, part human, part bot. All right. Uh, The number of the beast is 666 or 600 plus 60 plus 6. Now, if we multiply 600 uh times sixty times six it equals yes two hundred and sixteen thousand exactly what they did. It is evident that Satan is wanting to recreate mankind in his image by adding in this third strand into the DNA of mankind. If you watch the Queen's Jubilee ceremony on six two twenty two, which equals sixty six In the video link above, you'll see what she did. She lit up a triple helix light strand that traveled to the trees, the tree of trees that was also shaped like a strand of DNA. This was symbolic of their Luciferian plans to implement the mark of the beast. Amen. There's so many facets to the mark of the beast, right? Well now we know it's a change of nature, right? Including Satan being injected into you, right? Okay, this is uh called the component system for the mark of the beast, Thomas Fulger ten twenty six twenty two. As a born-again believer, I have been studying both the virus and the vaccination ingredients for two years plus now, through both a scientific lens, but mostly important um, is through a biblical lens. The mark of the beast is a component system based on the charagma. you've heard me teach on that, or puncture of the skin via injections. It consists of, a, of such components as, number one, the vaccination's ingredients, which are the foundational operating system. Uh, see accompanying short video. We have it here, link of it here. This video um, is the Science of the Mark. It is from uh, La Quinta Columna, the director of Ricardo Delgado, uh, they have put in uh, more than 20,000 hours of research on the virus and the so-called vaccines, and they have had their hand on the pulse of the nanotechnology factor from the beginning. This video pretty much sums up this science with uh, graphics and narrative. I do not speak Spanish, so I turned off the volume and watched the captions, along with the pictures. It's truly amazing information. Number two, 5G and possibly 6G. This is the uh, symbiotic radiation that ties all components together. Number three, AI, artificial intelligence, super quantum computers. Number four, smartphones and applications forthcoming. This component system of the Mark of the Beast may yet utilize a computer chip implant as well as the digital ID laws have yet to be fulfilled with a deadline of May 2023, as I understand it. This ID digitalization will also be our passport to making purchases. Hmm. Another method can also be used to complete the component system of the beast, and that is a quantum dot technology used as an invisible patch. Once all these components are integrated and turned on, an individual will be captured entity, wirelessly wedded to the world and not betrothed to the Lord. Satan will have stolen your soul. We are entering the harvest season of the last days, and Satan, mimicking the Lord, is taking this his harvest of souls as well. This is truly the abomination that makes the temple desolate. As Paul points out, your body is the temple. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20 Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Well, I I said to uh, Thomas, um, yes, I believe almost all is known of their system. And uh, though it may have a setback with all of this coming to light, it is ready for the time appointed to bring down all lost humanity who are members of the beast body already, including apostate Christians. Uh, God prophesied it, and it will come to pass to gather the tares to burn them. The forced abomination that maketh desolate will come about in the middle of the tribulation, the forced portion of it, right? The covenant with many is being made and the wise will be hidden in the secret place of the most high, I said. So here's a, a revelation given to Claire Pinar 92522 called it we called it divine protection from the evil seed. I dreamed Rion owned a large group of chickens. <laughs> Rion represents the man-child body as his name means, little king. He had appointed me as the marketing assistant. There were no other employees. So the bride is the marketing assistant because she always promotes the man-child, Jesus, and his business to every chicken who will listen. I likely represent the bride body as my name, Claire, means brilliance, which denotes the righteous acts of the saints in Revelation nineteen seven to 8. Let us rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Let us give the glory unto him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. It was given unto her that she should array herself in fine linen, bright, That's lamprose, right? Bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. So, these chickens are a play on words. They represent the majority of Christians who are currently in the apostate religious system. They don't understand the sovereignty of God and are worried and fearful about many things. Just as Jesus came to speak to these people in his day, so he is in ours. Uh, Three people came to Rion in business suits and sought to use his chickens for their breeding purposes. There were two men, one younger and one older, and then a woman. These three... uh, I believe, represent the deep state international corporations who want to use the chickens of the world for their own transhumanist agendas. They could also represent the apostate church leadership who is in bed with the deep state and seek to place their own seed into Christians. And they do it all the time, over the pulpit, right? Um... These three were intent on inseminating our chickens with a strange sticky substance. They placed it onto the chicken's wings, and then they would give the chicken a shower and hope that the substance would mix with the water and do the insemination. Uh, Well, the chicken wings represent the people's arms that, that the deep state mRNA is injected into. And also, the chicken wings are what help them overcome the world through flight. But when the seed of men is mixed with the water of the word, it is powerless to enable the Christians to be overcomers. I tried to protect all our chickens, but I was no match for these fast-moving professionals. <clears throat> well, personally, I really try to protect all my chickens. <laughs> but some are merely called and others are elect. So we, we have to find that out. This is what the trials of life are all about, right? So it's the bride's job to try to protect God's people from the dangerous uh, or the dangers of the deep state in the government and the church by countering their attempts to defile God's people. So, going on. In the dream, we easily had about a thousand chickens all lined up in rows. Our real life, white chicken called Mercy, was in the first row. I especially tried to protect Mercy but they placed this sticky stuff on her wings, and I was so upset. Well, the mercy chicken probably represents those that God will have mercy on, even though they're in the lineup, right? <laughs> she said, I received the following verses by faith at random, Ezekiel 39 and 25. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, now will I bring back the captain of Jacob, and have mercy upon the whole house of Israel. So notice, mercy, the chicken, was in line up with the rest of them. But God said he's going to have mercy upon the whole house of Israel, the true house of Israel, right? There are many mixed in there that are really tares, and they're being separated by all these trials and tribulations, right? Right? And he goes on in this verse to say, And I will be jealous for my holy name. I reminded them then that nothing would happen because there is only one way to inseminate anything, and they have done it incorrectly by placing the stuff on the chicken's wings. They were so frantic in their approach that they failed. Well, let me say, to cause the chickens to bear any good fruit. Um, Well, we're seeing so much of the fruit of the women that have gone through these injections, right? It's terrible. Um, Christians with totally corrupt DNA want to sow their seed in others, looking on the Christian side. And also, the deep state has gotten very sloppy because of their hubris And now their deceptions are seen. The vaccine agenda failed to kill as many people as they wanted. So nothing gets impregnated from an external application, she said. And then I woke up. Thank you, Lord, for protecting your people from the evil seed. Amen, Lord. Some are just ignorant, but you've chosen them from the foundation of the world and they will uh, ultimately be the elect. Amen. Save your elect among them, Lord, in Jesus' name, while, while uh, weeding out the tares. Amen. Uh, okay, this was from Deb Horton. We got this back on 2011. We call it Words Heal or Curse Your DNA words heal or curse your DNA. She said, Below are Cliff's notes by Deb Horton of an article which reports that science has finally acknowledged that words have physical power. After removing all the New Age gobbledygook, the article uh, acknowledges that Russian scientists have discovered that spoken words alone can and do reprogram DNA. So the tongue conquers the curse. There's a link to our book here. It is true. Or the tongue can bring the curse. That's true also. So you need to line up with the good news of the gospel. It has the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes it and, I might add, speaks it. Amen? Key points quoted from the article, which is translated from German, so the terminology will sound a little strange in English. Okay, well, my comments are in parentheses. Number one, DNA can be influenced and reprogrammed by words and frequencies without cutting out and replacing single genes. Yeah. The Russian linguists found that the genetic code, especially in the apparently useless 90%, which has been called junk DNA, follows the same rules as all our human languages, and that human languages are a reflection of our inherent DNA. Careful what you say. You can agree with the curse or you can agree with God's blessings and His salvation. And if you agree it and speak it, you will see a change in your DNA. Number three, one can simply use words and sentences of the human language to influence genetic information. In other words, agreeing with uh, the words that uh, we are not under the curse, uh, that by His stripes we were healed, etc. See? Coming into agreement with the Word. The Bible says, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. All right? So, this too was experimentally proven. Living DNA substance in living tissue, not in vitro, will always react to language-modulated laser rays and even to radio waves if the proper frequencies are being used. This finally and scientifically explains why affirmations uh, can repair genetic defects. In other words, our confessions of the positive promises of God concerning us and our circumstances change us. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18 and 21. The Bible already tells us this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Do you love life? You will eat the fruit of it, because it won't only be in your mind, it'll be coming out of your mouth. It's uh, uh, the river of living water that the Lord gave unto his people. Number five, our body is programmable by language, words, and thought. This has now been scientifically proven and explained. The individual person must work on the inner processes and maturity in order to establish all conscious communication with the DNA. In other words, 2 Corinthians 10 and 5, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that is exalted against the knowledge of God and bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. What is the purpose of this? So that when you agree with this with your mouth, you change your DNA. You bring resurrection life to your DNA. Number six, the Russian scientists also found out that our DNA can cause disturbing patterns. Stress, worries, or hyperactive intellect prevent or distort the communication and make it useless. Isaiah 26 and 3 says, Thou wilt keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Number seven. An ordered group consciousness creates order in its whole surroundings. When a great number of people get together very closely, potentials of violence also dissolve. Hmm. Romans 15 and 5. Now the God of patience and of comfort grant you to be of the same mind one with another according to Christ Jesus. And Romans 10 and 10 says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Remember that. They've proven it by science now. Anyway, number eight, researchers think that if humans with full individuality would regain group consciousness, they would have a godlike power to create, alter, and shape things on earth. That's kind of one of the reasons you gather together as a church to affirm the word of God. You should, anyway and to sing praises unto God, which is uh, an act of faith and speaking good things, right? So, this would be uh, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Matthew 18 and 19 says, remember, he's saying this group consciousness, right? Is so powerful. Matthew 18 and 19, Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything, that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father who is in heaven. And also, Mark 11, 23 and 24, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou taken up and cast into the sea. There's that supernatural power. Right? And shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that what he saith cometh to pass, he shall have it. Therefore, I say unto you, all things whatsoever you pray and ask for, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Wow. Now, you take that, people who believe and act on that, and put them together, and you have Matthew 18 and 19, and that is the multiplicity of the power. Oh, praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Now, we know the key. We've seen people born again by their confession of the Lord and confession of His promises. We've seen them change quickly. So now we see that uh, this is a supernatural thing. It is a gift of God. He's the one who created us on this order and uh, gave man authority in the earth. Not fallen man, resurrected man. Resurrected man is the person who has the DNA, that God chose. Uh, There's been a great falling away, obviously, and many people speak many things contrary to the Word of God, which has no power, as a matter of fact, well, no good power. It it has bad power to destroy your DNA. Amen. So we know that the angels have actually told us that this uh, restoration in Joel chapter 2 is going to be a a complete DNA resurrection. Yes. Thank you, Father, for restoring and delivering your people. Thank you, Lord, for causing your people to speak in agreement with your word. And we praise you and we thank you, Lord, for this victory. Saints, pray. Pray down the wicked. Pray down the evil. And pray up the good. In Jesus' name, amen. And also Michael Hare is coming to share with you and God, God bless you and God bless him, uh, to give forth a good word to help you in Jesus name. Amen. Good night.
2: Well, thank you brother David and God bless you. Hello saints. Good to be back with you again. Lord, we just praise you. We glorify you for your, the things that you're doing in our lives. We know, Lord, that we have these spirits from your Son and from you, Lord. We praise you for it. Lord, I ask that you anoint us today to speak about that in a way that would benefit and help people to overcome. And I praise you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. What I want to talk about today is the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ. So let's look at what the Spirit of the Son is. Look in Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if any man hath not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. There's two spirits that are mentioned here, the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ. And if you look, he puts... A butt in there so that we'll know that he's talking about two different things. Not everybody has the Spirit of God, but everybody who's born again has the Spirit of Christ. Jesus told his disciples in John 6 and 63, he said, the words that I have spoken unto you are Spirit. And since these words came out of him, what were they creating? They were creating his spirit in his disciples, and he told his disciples this in John 15 and 3. He said, he said, already ye are clean because of the word which I have spoken unto you. Well, what did that mean? It meant that they had a new spirit because Jesus spoke those words into them, and his spirit was recreated in them. The spirit. The Spirit of Christ is the born-again Spirit. And this Spirit of the Son, which is to bring us to the adoption, the adoption of sons. Sons are adopted, you see. When you get born again, the Spirit of Christ is the first thing that you receive. And what you need then is the soul of Christ and then ultimately a body like unto his body. A born-again spirit, a born-again soul, and a born-again body. Those are the three stages of this adoption. Now if you'll notice, this passage contains a warning in Romans 8 and 9. But if any man hath not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Verse 10. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. And in then verse 11, but here it is again. He's switching back. If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ Jesus from the dead shall give life also to your mortal bodies through his spirit that dwells in you. Now, Paul here is talking about receiving the Holy Spirit. When you get born again, you don't necessarily receive the Holy Spirit. Sometimes that happens afterwards. But you do get the Spirit of Christ because you believe the Word of God and you accept that He died for you and gave you His life. So that's the two steps that every Christian ought to go through, receiving the Spirit of Christ and then receiving the Holy Spirit. And that was commanded. But today, most Christians don't even do that. That's just rebellion against the Word of God, and there needs to be a repentance. Because you need the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit will empower you to walk in the steps of Jesus. As Jesus was both human and divine, he had a born-again spirit. You need a born-again spirit, and you need that for communication and access to the Holy Spirit. He comes to dwell in your holy of holies, and that's your born-again spirit. He comes to rule in your holy of holies. So you are born that are born again need to invite the Holy Spirit to come with all his signs and all his wonders that the Bible talks about, because that's part of it. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 says yes But ye shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now let's go down to Romans chapter 8 verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. You see, many people are led by their mind. They don't hear the voice of the Spirit. And they don't think it's even possible to hear the voice of the Spirit. But God gives us first the Spirit of Christ and then the Holy Spirit so we can hear His voice and follow Him wheresoever He goes. Folks, that's the whole plan. Verse 15, For ye received not the spirit of bondage Again, unto fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. And that word adoption means sun placing. We're coming to that place, folks. God manifests his perfection in us, in the spirit, then soul. And then ultimately, if you've got a born fruit in the soul, you'll receive a new body, like unto his body. Verse 15, whereby we cry, Abba. Father. That's adoption son placing. Verse 16. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So even if you have the spirit of adoption, which according to Galatians chapter four, the spirit of his son, Jesus Christ, you are a son of God by faith. And since faith is accounted as righteousness, We receive that end from the beginning, because we call the things that be not as though they were. Because in Hebrews 10 and 14, it says, by one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. And by accepting that, we're walking from the place of being children of God to the place of being sons of God. And if you want to know what a son of God is, you got to look at Jesus. And that's what a son of God is, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Christ is coming to live in us first by spirit, then our soul, and that's our nature, our character, and no, no no And then ultimately, you're going to have a body like his body. That's some glorious time, folks. Glory be to God. Romans 8, verse 16 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And we just saw that by faith. We're sons, right? And in verse 17, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified with him. Now, if we're joint heirs with Christ of his glory, which we are, that's another way of talking about perfection. And glory is just another way of saying Christ in you. The glory is the shining forth from you of the life of Christ, that we may be also glorified with him. Folks, we're joint heirs with Christ, having received the spirit of adoption. And although we're, we're we're manifested children, we're seeking that glory of God to come and dwell in us. But it says right here, if so, be that we suffer with him. You see part of this is knowledge because you have to exercise faith and part of this is cooperation when you give up your old life in order to gain that new life of Christ in you, right? Both of these are necessary for sonship and both of these are necessary to have the glory of God in you. Second Corinthians 4 chapter, uh, chapter 4 and verse 16 says wherefore we faint not But though our outward man is decaying, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. So, as the carnal man is dying off, and as we manifest our death, burial, and resurrection, that spiritual man is coming to life, glory to God. Verse 17, for our light affliction. Notice he says a light affliction, which is for the moment, and that means a, a short time. A short time that you have to go through to be perfected. Then it goes on and says, Works for us more and more exceedingly an eternal weight of glory. Now remember that word of glory because I'm going to come back to it later on. Verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. That means we call the things that be not as though they were. That's what God's taught us to do. And that's what faith is. You claim to be a son of God, you know now that a son of God is Jesus Christ, right? Verse 18. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We have to hope we have to hold fast to and believe and see the things that are not as though they were. And as we're doing that, while we're walking by faith and giving up our old life, this is working. For us more exceedingly an eternal weight of glory. And back where we were, Paul says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified with him. Romans 8 and 17. That manifestation of our sonship is being glorified with him. And some people say that this glory is only received over in the next life. But you'll see that if you don't get it in this life, you ain't going to see it in the next life. Here's where God's people are glorified. And as we we keep on here, we're going to see that. Verse 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed to usward. This suffering is not even comparable to the new life that we receive. This new glory that we receive by going through this suffering. And that's just what we read in verse 17. However, we don't enter into this new life with glory. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 24. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to show his righteousness because of the passing over of the sins done aforetime in the forbearance of God. So you see here, we don't start into this with the glory of God. We accept it by faith and we're justified freely because of that faith and the life of Jesus. That was given to us at the cross, right? We were crucified with him, and we were given his life. There was that exchange that was made. Our old life was put on that cross, and he gave us his life. Galatians 2 and 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. And that life, which I now live in the flesh, I live in faith, the faith which is in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Folks, we accept that by faith. Now, God says that faith is accounted as righteousness. So we are imputed as sons of God through our faith. But here's the great thing. If you walk by faith, You're always going to receive the manifestation of what you're believing. But if you're just walking by mental ascent and religion, it ain't going to get you nothing. However, when you walk by faith in the gospel, God's going to fulfill that in you, and he's going to manifest his son in you. You have to believe what the book says, not what religion says. So we need to hold strong here, Fred, because there is this this whole process is a progressive thing. You don't get nothing instantaneously in the kingdom except by faith. And by faith you accept everything as instantaneous. Hebrews ten and fourteen says, For by one offering we have perfected forever them that are sanctified. He perfected us at the cross. We accept the whole free gift, free gift of sonship, of the life of God, of the purity, of the holiness, of the total redemption that he's given us. Now, here's a good example found here in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord. For that God chose you from the beginning unto salvation. Now, he's talking to people who need to be saved. And you might be talking, you might be saying right now, I thought we were saved. Well, we're saved by faith. And faith calls the things that be not as though they were. Folks, saved is Jesus Christ. He's saved. He's not under the curse. We are in Christ through our faith. And we're imputed as righteous because we believe that he took away our sin. We don't have many anymore. And that's the way faith works. Now, he's talking to Christian. Now, he says, he chose you from the beginning unto salvation in sanctification of the Spirit. That means the sanctification of your life by the Spirit of God. And belief of the truth. That's verse 13. John chapter 8, verse 32 says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Folks, that's God's plan. Without it, you ain't got nothing to which you have faith. There's no way that the Holy Spirit can bring to pass your benefits in Christ if you don't believe, or if you don't believe because you don't know. So it's very important that you read the Word of God and find out What's yours? First Thessalonians uh, chapter two verse fourteen says, "Whereunto he called you through our gospel, to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ." So then, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or by epistle of ours. Listen, don't trust any preacher to tell you that. Find it out for yourself. The Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling in Philippians 2 and 12, because you can miss it. Now, if you'll notice, he's talking to Christians here. He wants you to manifest sanctification, manifest the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's go back and look at this glory, see what it is and where it comes from, because we need to obtain this glory, and that's the kingdom glory. The people who walk in the kingdom walk in this glory. Now we all may be walking into it in a certain percentage, but God wants us to fully manifest that glory 30, 60, and a hundredfold. He offers us a hundredfold and we need to believe him and take him at his word. Now let's go back to these verses again in Romans chapter 8, verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed to us. For the earnest expectation of the creation waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Now, I know somebody would like to put that away off in the by and by so they could live just about any way they want to live down here. But if you're not manifesting fruit, folks, Jesus said, you ain't going there. Well, what is the fruit? The fruit is Jesus Christ. And that's his glory manifested in you. It says the whole creation waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Down here, not just up in heaven. A lot of good it will do us up there. Down here is where we need the glory of God. Jesus walked in the glory of God when he came. He said, the people that sat in darkness saw a great light, Matthew 4 and 16. When Jesus came, folks, he set the captives free. He opened the prison to them that were bound. He healed the sick. He cast out demons and on and on. He was the body of Christ. And he left in order to come back in the corporate body of Christ so he could touch the whole world. The glory of God is needed now and it's needed here. That's what this passage is talking about. The manifestation, the revealing of the sons of God has to do with manifesting sonship down here in spirit and in soul. And we know that Jesus's body was the son of man, but the one who dwelt in that body was the son of God. He was declared to be the son of David according to the flesh in Romans 1 and 3. But the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness. So we see that Jesus was made in all things like unto his brethren in Hebrews 2 and 17. And the whole of creation is waiting because the creation itself fell under the curse when Adam fell under the curse, right? Only when man comes out from under the curse is the creation delivered. When Jesus came, he was the one who lived out from under the curse, and he set the creation free all around him. Romans 8 and 20 says, for the creation was subjected to vanity, not of its own will, but by reason of him who subjected it. God subjected us to vanity, folks. And this is how sons are created, by being subject to vanity and yet choosing the good and understanding grace. Because unless you've been a sinner, you can't understand grace. Even the angels don't understand grace because they desire to look into these things. Look at what First Peter 1 and 12 says. Folks, we're falling and we appreciate God very much because he's lifting us up and he's setting our feet on that rock, glory to God. And we appreciate it and we love him for it. Luke chapter 7 and verse 40 says, And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Teacher, say on. A certain lender had two debtors. The one owed five hundred shillings and the other fifty. And when they had not wherewith to pay, he forgave them both. Which of them, therefore, will love him most? Simon answered and said, He, I suppose, to whom he forgave the most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. Folks, sinners appreciate God. They love God. There was a reason for the creation to be subject to vanity. And if you say, well, I don't believe it, that's okay. I don't mind. Christ was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Why would we have needed a sacrifice slain from the foundation of the world before Adam sinned? Folks, you better stop and think about that. You see, God knew all about everything that's happening now. We're still in plan A, as David has always said, and there never been a plan B. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. He has the lamb slain for our sacrifice, and he chose us to be in him from the foundation of the world. So God knew all about it. He knew all about the fall, the failure, and the revelation of grace. And it, you could never understand grace if you were perfect like an angel. Because they don't understand grace. They deserve everything they get. We don't deserve anything. And he reaches down and picks us up. And bless God, we learn to love him, don't we? Creation was subject to vanity for a purpose. Romans eight twenty one says that the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the liberty of the glory. Of the children of God. Folks, this is the plan. Fallen man gets saved and appreciates it so much that we love God. Verse 22, for we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. And not only so, but ourselves also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for our adoption. And that's, called, that's the sun placing there. To wit, the redemption of our body. We're waiting for the manifestation of our adoption. <clears throat> and don't you know, saints, that this manifestation is not going to be complete until you are totally, totally God's possession, spirit, soul, and body. But there is a way that is complete while you're on earth, and that is in spirit and soul. The ultimate fulfillment, of course, is the body. And as he goes on to say, to wit, the redemption of our body. That's, folks, the fullness of our adoption. For in hope were we saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for that which he sees? But if we hope for that which we see not, then do we with patience. Wait for it. Folks. We don't see. The manifestation of some ship, But we do hope. And we do wait for it. And we do walk by faith for it. And as used here. Hope is a firm. Expectation. It's not hoping for something that you think will never happen. It's hoping for something you believe. That it's coming. We firmly expect those of us who are going to walk in the glory of God that God will keep His promise to us and that He will finish the good work He started in us. Glory to God. Yes, I do. He will be, we, folks will be complete. We'll be perfect just like He said we would. And we learned a, a little more about this in 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 14. But their minds were hardened for until this very day at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains, it not being revealed to them that it is done away in Christ. There's a lot of people today, Christians and Jews alike, who don't understand that the Old Covenant was done away in Christ. They got a veil on. A lot of Christians have a veil on because they're still under the law. They're either under the law of men or they're under the law of the old covenant. And they don't understand that God made this new covenant for us. And if you go under the law, you're a son of the handmaid, not a son of the free woman. Verse 15 says, but unto this day, whensoever Moses is read, a veil lies upon their heart. But whensoever it shall turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And so we see that when you turn to the Lord, the blindness that the devil puts on all of mankind, that's broken from you. Even as a Christian, if you turn to the Lord, God's going to break that veil off you. And no matter what kind of legalism you're under, no matter what following of your own mind you're under, God will break that off you and you'll be able to follow the Spirit of God. Verse 17, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. This is freedom, and that's freedom from bondage, freedom from the law, because you naturally fulfill the law, right? Notice what we're looking at. We're looking at Jesus. We're looking at him by faith, because we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. Verse 18 says, but we all with unveiled faith, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. And in the mirror we see Jesus by faith. So that God would take that faith, that's the substance of things hoped for, and bring it to pass. We're giving him the substance and we believe that we no longer live, that Christ lives in us. And also notice he calls it the glory of the Lord. We're going to have to discover what this glory is and that it's in this life that you get this glory. Verse 18, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are transformed into the same image. Where? Right here. From glory to glory, even as from the Lord, the Spirit. And as we accept that we no longer live, that the one who looks in this mirror is now Jesus Christ, who now lives in us, we're changed from glory to glory, even as from the Lord the Spirit. Well, what glory is he talking about? He's talking about the three glories mentioned in 1 Corinthians 15. The star, the moon, and the sun glory. There are three heavenly bodies that God offers to his saints, and he called them the star, moon, and sun glory. We start out as a star glory because we've got self-righteousness. The glory that that comes from the stars separates them. They're different. They're distinct from one another. That's the first stage of Christian growth. We have our own glory, self-righteousness. The second stage of Christian growth it's moon glory because the moon is one. The Bible says that we become united united with him in the likeness of his death. The moon is dead. It's one and it's dead, having no light of its own. It only reflects the light of the sun. And we who have moon glory shall also be of the resurrection, which is sun glory. We're going from our own righteousness through death to self and resurrection life of Christ in us. That's the three stages. We grow into his glory from glory to glory and from the Lord to spirit. And if you'll notice, that glory is the brilliance that shines forth from us. The light of Christ's life It's the glory of the Lord. It says they they saw a great light in the shadow of death, didn't they? Yeah, and it was Jesus. That was Jesus in that light. And they're going to see it again on this earth, friends, very soon. Because God's planning on lighting that light again. (laughs) Glory to God. I want to be a part of it. Don't you? All right. Let's continue reading it. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled in them that perish. Literally, that says, supposed to say, are perishing. If you don't have the revelation of Christ in you, you are perishing. This revelation of Christ coming to life in you is the same Jesus who walked on this earth 2,000 years ago. Not another Jesus. Not that weak and worthless Jesus that sits up on a cloud and does nothing for nobody. It doesn't heal the sick anymore, doesn't cast out devils anymore, and on and on and on. No, folks, this is the real Jesus. This is the glory that God is resurrecting in his people in these days. Second Corinthians chapter four and verse three. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled in them that perish, in whom the God of this world Has blinded the minds of the unbelieving that the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, and if you'll notice that this glory of Christ is a light, not in the physical world, but in the spiritual world. It's a light that shines forth. Verse 4 In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of the unbelieving that the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should not dawn upon them. The devil don't want Christ in you or sonship or the glory of Son manifested in you. The Spirit of Christ has been given to you in order to take you over, spirit, soul, and body, and to finish this work. He is the Spirit of adoption, and he'll bring you to adoption should you cooperate with him in this process. He'll bring you to the adoption of sons, not children. And you'll notice the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should not dawn upon them. The devil don't mind you being a lukewarm Christian because you got you anyway, and you probably won't bear fruit. Matthew 22 and 14 says, For many are called, but few are chosen. We've learned that called is only talking about God's people who are invited to partake of the benefits of God. Folks, you gotta bear fruit thirty, sixty and a hundredfold, according to Jesus Himself. Those are the three glories, thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. And he goes on to say in Second Corinthians four and five, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Christ Jesus' sake. Seeing it is God that said light shall shine out of darkness. That's the the light of the glory of Jesus Christ. This is a spiritual light that's in you. And some people get to see that. God opens their eyes to see this light on that person. There's a light in the spirit realm. And sometimes God can open your eyes to see that light shall shine out of darkness. That's the light of the glory of God manifesting in your old life, your old soul, and that outer man that's decaying day by day, so that the inner man may be renewed. It's like that old husk has to be broken so that the light on the inside can come out. Verse 6, seeing it is God that said, light shall shine out of darkness. Who shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Folks, it's only those who look in the mirror and see Jesus who's going to come to this glory. In other words, it's only those of you who accept that his righteousness is now yours. That you don't live any longer. You're not looking at your natural face in the mirror anymore. You're accepting that now Jesus lives in you. Folks, that's the gospel. That's the good news. And it ain't something that you can do. It's something you can believe God to do. And he'll do it. It's his work. Just like we've already seen. For instance, we're told that God himself is the father of glory. Ephesians 1 and 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. So he's telling us he's the Father of Jesus and the Father of glory. Because Jesus is the glory and Christ in you is the glory. Verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Oh my goodness, that's a good prayer, isn't it? You need to hang on to that one right there because he can do it. He can do it in you. He'll do anything that you need to give to you this gift. But first, we need the revelation of what God has given unto us. And that's why we study this. That's to have that wisdom of knowledge. So you see, he's the father of glory. He's the father of the son. He's the father of sonship. And he's the father of the spiritual man in you, which is the glory of the son. This is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Colossians 127. To whom God was pleased to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This mystery of the glory among the Gentiles. Glory to God. Glory to God. The glory of Jesus Christ is coming to be manifested. That is sonship being manifested in his people. And it's progressive, but we receive it by faith. Now, let's go back to where we were, Second Corinthians 4 and 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessel. That's the treasure of the glory of God that needs to continue to grow in us. That the exceeding greatness of the power may be of God and not from ourselves. Well, we have this treasure of the word being manifested in God's people. But did you know that the word is also that light that shines out of darkness? Second Peter 1 and 19. And we have the word of prophecy made more sure. We know that to be the word of God, okay? Whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. This lamp is the shining forth of the light. The Bible says of this lamp shining in a dark place, Proverbs twenty twenty seven. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. The dark place is your old man that keeps this hidden. You have to be broken so that the light can can come forth. As unto a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arises in your hearts. Now that word day star, that's an old English archaic term that was used for the sun. The light is shining in this dark place until the day dawns and the sun arises in your heart. Second Peter 1 and 20 says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is a private interpretation, for no prophecy ever came by the will of man, but men spake from God, being moved by the Holy Spirit. We have a more sure word of prophecy. What is it? That's the word of God. All of the word of God is a prophecy, and it's powerful to come to pass when we believe it. We have to hold diligently to it to believe it. And we're saying that the Father is the Father of glory and that the Word, which is also Jesus Christ, is the Son of the Father and is also that glory. We have this treasure of the Word, of the Son, of the glory in us by the Spirit of Jesus Christ. The Spirit of adoption that brings us to the adoption of sons the spirit of the son is to take us over, just as the devil seeks to take us over. The spirit of the son seeks to bring forth his glory in us, as Paul tells us, second Corinthians four and seven. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the exceeding greatness of the power may be of God and not from ourselves. And that means, of course, that we have a weak vessel that's not able to walk in the glory of God, but the power that's of God is that spirit that dwells in us. Verse 8. We are pressed on every side. Yet not straightened, Perplexed. Yet not unto despair. Pursued. Yet not forsaken. Smitten down. Yet not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body. Uh, the dying of Jesus. That the life also of Jesus. That's the glory. is the life of Jesus. It's the word of God. that's born of the Father. And it goes on and says, may be manifested in our body. Manifested, not in the next body, but in this body. That's God's plan. Now, where do you get the glory? You get it here by looking in the mirror. Now with an unveiled face. Okay. By the way, the word manifested means to cause to shine, to make visible in our body. Fenuru in Greek means to cause to shine. The very word manifestation is talking about the shining of the glory inside you. Verse 11, for we who live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus, well, there it is again, the life of that glory lives in us, may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Again, the word here is fenuro, to cause to shine, to become visible. The Son of God is coming in us, just like we've already studied. The Son of God is being birthed in us, in this physical life. Now, that's the manifestation of sonship in spirit and in soul. And the person that has walked in the manifestation of sonship in spirit and in soul, he will ultimately have the manifestation of sonship in their body. That's the fullness of adoption. That the life also of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh, shining forth out of us. Now, a very similar verse is found here in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 3. For you died and your life is hid with Christ in God. You need to remember that you don't have a problem with sin anymore because you died. The old man died. The old sinner doesn't live anymore. You behold in a mirror the glory of the Lord right now. That's the faith. You don't walk by sight because you won't manifest Christ if you do. And if you see your natural face in the mirror, just like James said, you'll go away and forget what manner of man you are. You'll be a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word. James chapter 1 tells us. Christ is our life, saints. Verse 4, when Christ, who is our life, that's the very life inside of us. And that's Christ growing in us, just like Mary had Christ growing in her. Jesus said this. He said, for whosoever shall do the will of my father who is in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother. Matthew 12 and 50. Every one of us is pregnant with Jesus Christ in us. Colossians 3 and 4 says, when Christ who is our life, shall be manifested, that means cause to shine, then shall ye also with him be manifested in glory. As Christ is manifested in us, the glory is manifested in us because he is the glory and the Father is the Father of glory. And everything that's born of the Father is glory. So now you see the glory that's shining forth from us. That's manifested. Is the glory of the star, moon, and ultimately sun glory shining forth from God's people? Glory to God! Can't you can't you just see it, folks? Now, you know I like when John called us children by manifestation because that's what we are until we manifest His sonship, right? First John chapter two and verse twenty-eight says, "And now, my little children, abide in Him." That if he shall be manifested, we may have boldness and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Well, what is it to abide in him? Well, he tells us in verse 24. If that which you heard from the beginning abide in you, you also shall abide in the Son. Well, what did we hear from the beginning? We heard the truth. Not necessarily what we hear nowadays, but what we heard from the beginning. And if this abides in you, you abide in the Son. By the way, it clearly says in verse six, he that says he abides in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. Well, how did he walk? He walked to his cross for one thing. He walked in righteousness for another thing. And he walked by faith for another thing. So he says in 1 John 2 and 28, and now my little children abide in him that if he shall be manifested, that's fenuru again, the word is if, not when. Some versions say when he shall be manifested. But ain't none of the ancient manuscripts or the numerics say when. They say if. And again, it's not talking about the physical coming of the Lord. It's talking about his coming in you. Now watch carefully. Verse 28. And now, my little children, abide in him, that if he shall be manifested, that I means cause to shine, become visible in you. We may have boldness and not be ashamed before him at his coming. And what's going to cause you not to be ashamed before Christ except him living in you? Now, when he shall appear does not reflect anything here. That's totally wrong. The word there is manifested. Just like where everywhere else. It says for Nuru, cause to shine. And the second word used here in that his coming refers to the physical coming of Christ. The first one is his coming in you and the second one is his second coming. So now it makes sense, don't it? If the translation you see is when he shall appear and coming, then you see him coming twice there in the same verse. It ain't got nothing to do with that. It has to do with him coming in you and then coming for you. The perusia, the second word used here in at his coming, means he's coming for the ones in whom he is. Pheneru. He has become manifest. They have manifested 36 or a hundredfold of their sonship and of the glory of God. That's what it's talking about. Folks, it's going to be awesome too. Glory to God. Then verse 29 says, If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also that does righteousness is begotten of him. The one in you who's coming forth that doeth righteousness, that one is born of him. Glory to God. First John 3 and 2 says, Beloved, now are we children, that's technon, not sons, of God. It is not yet made manifest, for Nuru is not yet fully shining forth from you. What we shall be, we know that if, look at that, there's the if and not when. It has nothing to do with the physical coming of Christ. He shall be manifested, that's us being visibly shined forth from. We shall be like him, for we shall see him even as he is. If it's shining forth from you, you're going to be like him and you're going to see him in the mirror as he is manifestly this time. And not by faith that's clearly what the book is saying and if he is shining forth from you you're going to be like him and it's going to be because you see him even as he is some people don't see the real Jesus in the mirror and they ain't got no way to come into the image of the real Jesus because they're looking at a false Jesus that's been described for them by some religion now another word Epiphania is very close to in its meaning to Fenuro is still a shiny forth, but it's to shine forth from or upon. Second Timothy four and eight says, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give to me at that day, and not to me only, but also to tell to all them that have loved his appearing. It's not talking about the coming of the Lord, friends. It's talking about His shining forth from you. He's coming for all those who have loved His the shining forth from. Some people don't love that as much as they are Christians, as much as they like hanging out with Christians, passing through a church. Folks don't make you make you Christ, but the revelation of what the Lord has done for you is walking by faith as a true believer. That makes you a true Christian. And remember when the Israelites went through the wilderness, most of them fell in that wilderness. But there were some that walked through there as true believers. They went into the promised land in their bodies. They never died. So he's coming for those who have loved his manifestation in them, his shining forth of his glory in them. That's who Jesus is coming for. Now we see the verse again here in Titus chapter two and verse 11. For the grace of God hath appeared bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to the intent that undi- that die deny, I'm sorry, denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. This is the proving ground. This is where the fruit is born. There is a great deception and delusion that God is going to accept the people who have lived their life walking in the flesh. And the deception is that you can do anything you want and get into God's kingdom. And that's contrary to what the Word of God says. Romans 8 and 13 says, For if you live after the flesh, You must die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. And it's here, folks, that we're manifesting his glory and coming into the image of Jesus Christ, the Son, and manifesting his Sonship. Titus 2.13, looking for the blessed hope and appearing. That's the shining forth from. Of the glory of the great God in our Savior, Jesus Christ. And folks, are you looking for the shining forth of the glory of the great God in our Savior, Jesus Christ? That's our hope. I want you to hold fast to the word of God. Find out what it says about you and believe every word that it tells you. Lord to God. Well, I'm out of time. God bless you. We'll see you again next time. God willing.
0: For information, materials, and to contribute, go to UnleavenedBreadMinistries.org. Contributions only may be addressed to David Eels, Post Office Box 231616, Montgomery, Alabama, 36123. My thirsting soul Pure as water made me whole Let your streams Of mercy flow Oh Jesus I trust in you Though the mountains Fall into the sea Though the rivers Rise I still believe For oh, your mercy Stands and your word Is true Oh Jesus in you, and when I face that darkest night, what will be my guiding light? The shining rays of red and white, Jesus. I trust in you, oh, sacred heart. In you, I find. Mercy seated for all time I am yours and you are mine Oh Jesus I trust in you Though the mountains fall into the sea Though the rivers rise I still believe For your mercy stands and your word is true Oh Jesus I trust in you